Hey church, my name is Morgan Antonell, and I'm on staff here at RCB. We're continuing our sermon series on the life of Joshua, and our scripture reading this morning is from Numbers 14, 1 through 9. The words will now appear on your screens. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he'll give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. So great to be with you this morning or afternoon or evening or night. Um, we miss you dearly. And um, if you didn't see this video last week, it's because we didn't do one. We were at the beach praising the Lord and praising him for baptism, for newness of life. And it just felt like such amazing, catalytic um, time for our church. And I'm just so excited to what God's doing. And we we're just praying that this would become a normative occurrence in our community where God is adding people and they are being raised from death to life and asking to follow Jesus into baptism. And so today we're going to continue our series on Joshua. We're looking at the life of Joshua. We're going before the book of Joshua, leading in to the book of Joshua. And so I'm really excited about this series. I think there's a lot for us to glean um, from this series for where we find ourselves today in life, as a church, as a city, as a nation. And so the background of what's happening is that God has just rescued the people of Egypt, um, the people of Israel from Egypt, parted the Red Sea, plagues. You remember the story, all those things he brings them into the desert and he's trying to get them into the land that he's promised to their ancestors, his promise that he's given all the way back to the time of Abraham. And it's a new land and a new home. And um, what we discover is along, along the way, we find God preparing Joshua for leadership. Along the way, we see God testing a people to trust him testing the people's faith in him and in what he can do so he can create a people who are his own. Amen? And so, for the most part, this idea of the promised land sounds like a good idea. Um, it sounds like a good idea. There's definitely some interest by the people of God. But if we're really honest, we really look at this story, they're still counting the cost. They've heard over and over about this promised land, 
on their holy season, their holy times, their oral tradition is handed down. There's just promise of a land that's going to be plentiful and it's going to be full of blessing for these people of God. And essentially, before they get there, when they're so close, they want to get a lay of the land. Um, before they step out, they, they want to get some diagnostics. They want to see what's going on. They want to, to do a little reconnaissance mission to see what's going on. And so um, in Deuteronomy one twenty two, we hear Moses kind of retelling them the story of what happened. And he says to this, Then all of you came to me and said, Let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. So you could say that they're being super strategic right now. They're just be, being good stewards and they want to have the right plan and set and in place. Or you could say that they're going to check this out to see if they really want to do this at all. And so um, and here in Numbers 13, God tells Moses it's time to send out these spies. This is what you guys have wanted to spy out the land. Well, now's the time to go and check out the land in Numbers 13. And so I can't read it all. There's a whole lot here. I suggest that you go back and read these two chapters. But Moses essentially sends out the 12. He gets a representative from each tribe in which Joshua and Caleb are part of that 12 tribes. And so they go out and Moses send them to spy the land. And so verse 18 from chapter 13 says this, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of town do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So Moses gives them some pretty clear instruction as they go out to check out this land. He says, find out if the people there are strong or weak. He says, find out what they're like. Are they strong? Are they weak? Is there a lot of them? Is there a few of them? He says, then they also like check out the soil, right? Is the land good? Is it good for planting? Does it produce good harvest? Have, like it's, it's the ripe season for grapes. See what kind of grapes are, are being produced right now in the land. Find out if this place is secure or not. Is the soil good? Is it fruitful? Like bring a sample. Let's Let's find out if this is the place that God has described. And so for many of you who have moved to this city, you've asked similar questions. What kind of city is Boston? Is, is it safe? What's the weather like? What's the weather like? Um, what's the job scene like? And essentially what we're asking when, when we're looking at a place to make our home is, will I make it there? Will I thrive? Will it be good for my family? Are, are the conditions there right for me to grow and to flourish? And I know for me and my family, we've moved to multiple cities. We've moved to different neighborhoods within a city. And usually I'm the person who goes out first on behalf of the family to, to check out a city or to check out a neighborhood that God's put on our heart. And I come back and I share with my family like, how I think the city would do for us and what we would do for this city. 
And so this is what these 12 spies are sent out to do. They do exactly what they're sent out to do. They spend 40 days on this reconnaissance to check out the land of Canaan and the surrounding areas. And they come back and they give a report. And so verse 27 in Numbers 13 says this, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So they give a full report all the geographic people groups that are all around. And here's the first thing they say. They go, it does flow with milk and honey. It's like a big bowl of cereal. I'm just joking. But they're saying like this land is beautiful. It does have exactly what God said. But the people are powerful. The city is fortified. And he's saying all our enemies are in the surrounding regions. And some of them are descendants of legendary giants. And they, they, they don't end there. They offer a little more color commentary. They, the other, these are what these 10 are saying. Joshua and Caleb are not part of this report. They say, we have no shot against these giants. They are the kind of giants that devour people like us. He said, these are legendary giants and they devour people like us. He says, they say, compared to them, we're grasshoppers. We're just little grasshoppers. They were going to squash us. And it's, and it's interesting, if you read the language here, they said, we seem like grasshoppers to them in our own eyes. So they're saying how we see ourselves, we see ourselves as grasshoppers to them. And then they take their point of view and go, we look like grasshoppers to them. Not only do we see giants, we've already decided that we can't overcome. This is what they're saying. Not only do we see giants, we have already determined that we cannot overcome them. We, we are convinced that we have no shots. What do you see? When the obstacles that are before you right now, how do you see them? What have you deemed an insurmountable giant in your life? What have you already decided in your heart as you think about your life, as you think about your future, as you think about the things that are around you? What have you already decided in your heart that cannot be overcome? That cannot be overcome before even trying. See, it says that what they were doing here is they were spreading a bad report. See, they weren't asked to give their uh, assessment. They weren't asked to give their opinion to what was there. They were, they were, they were just asked to, to state the facts. And so often we insert our fears, we insert our past, we project our shadow side into a situation that God has, that sees completely different. 
And we insert our, our fears in our past and our shadow side, not only to ourselves, but we project it onto those around us. And see, fear is contagious. And, and no, no pun intended, but this report, this group of 10 that, that have come back to the camp are literally creating a pandemic of fear. They're creating a panic in the people of God that's all based on fear. Read verse 1 in chapter 14. I like it in the, in the New Living Translation. It says this, Then, this is after the report, The whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. They, I mean, listen, I've watched some movies and seen some things, and I'm like, I'm scared, it's hard to sleep. But they are cry, they've cried as a community all night. They were weeping, they were mourning, they were wailing, they were scared. They were scared because they envisioned an outcome that God didn't give them. It's, it's similar to the school bully saying, I'm gonna beat you up after school, right? And in your mind, whatever classes and through your peer, you're running through your mind, how bad this beatdown is going to be. And, and you begin to create a movie and a film realm of how it's going to go. And fear begins to grip you and your body and your heart atrophy and they sink in. And you now have a vision of being defeated. See, they, the people of God, based on this report, or, or are starting to imagine a future that God has not planned for them and that God has not planted in them. The future that they've envisioned in their mind has gripped them so much with fear that they feel like the future is worse than what they had in Egypt. They've created this scenario that they're ready to go back to where they came from. One commentator says this, this is the great sin of the desert. They didn't believe or trust that God could overcome what was in front of them. So they want to go back. See, when I think of the promises that God has promised me and my family and the church, and I see the giants and the obstacles in life, I think to myself, God, I'm only five foot nine on a really, really good day with some really hot, some high tops on. Like, like, there's no way that I can overcome this on my own. When I think about the obstacles of leading in a season like this, I go, God, there's no way I could do this on my own. And this is what these people of God are, are thinking in their minds. There's no way that we can overcome this. And here's what God is trying to get inside of us that, no, you cannot do this on your own. And guess what? You are not alone. You can't do this on your own, but you are not alone. This Moses said that he wouldn't even... Take the task of leading the people of God. God's presence wouldn't go with them. And God says, I promise you my presence. And he gave them a cloud by day and a fire by night. They had a tangible witness of God's presence in their midst. But yet they're ready to go back to where they came from. 
See, what we have an opportunity right now to do is to respond to God and his presence in light of whatever else is around us and in front of us. They have an opportunity to say, I see giants, but I see the presence of God. And I'm going to respond to the presence of God in light of what obstacles may be in front of me or around me. And see, Caleb and Joshua, they give a good report. And Caleb out the gates is like, we can do this because God's with us. We surely can do this. And then Joshua's response, along with Caleb here in Numbers 14, 6 through 9, says this, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who are among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I want you to hear Joshua's response. They are having a town hall meeting. They're ready to impeach Moses. They're ready to put God on trial. And they're ready to go back to where they came from. And Joshua and Caleb ripped their clothes in mourning over what they're hearing, over how fear is taking over the community. And they respond to the people like this. Joshua says, the, the land is good. Like, like you're missing the point. The land is good. Wait a minute. It's exceedingly good. We've never seen land or fruit like this. You've seen it. You know that it's real. You know that it's good. And you know deep in your heart that it's for you. And he says, don't rebel. Don't sabotage this opportunity because of your fear. Don't sabotage this opportunity because you don't think that you're worthy of the good thing that God has for you. And don't sabotage it by turning away in disbelief. You might think this is too good to be true. Don't turn away from it. And lastly, he says to them, don't be afraid. God is not only for you, he's with you. He's for you. He's with you. He's for you and he's with you. So do not be afraid. I want you to think right now, what are you afraid of? What do you think of what you're afraid of and just take it captive right now in this moment? I want you to hear Jeremiah 33, 27. It says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Think about, think about your obstacle right now. Think about what's in front of you right now. The thing that's impossible. As you name it and take captive of it, I want you to ponder God's ability and willingness. He says, is anything too hard for me? Are, are my arms not long enough to reach it? Is the arm of the Lord not strong enough? Jesus, well, People ask Jesus for healing and he says, Lord, if you're willing, because I am willing, and I'm able. If we really think about what keeps us back, it's not if we understand if God's willing or able. 
is do we have the courage to take the step forward? Do we have the courage to take the step forward, to believe that he's with us regardless of the result that we want when we take that step forward? See, I would hate for this season that we're in as a church and as a community to be remembered by what we didn't do. To, to be remembered by what we didn't do because we had so much fear and we just hunkered down and we took no risk. We didn't step out. We just played it close and we kept our cards closed. I would hate for that to be the, the narrative that's played after this season is over. See, we have an opportunity now in this season in what feels like a wilderness for many of us to create a legacy of faith to those around us to create a legacy of faith within our own families, to create an atmosphere of faith, hope, love, an atmosphere of possibility. See, this is what Joshua is saying right now. He's saying, stay the course. Stay, stay the course in what God has called you to do because Joshua has an imagination for the future that's full of God's provision and God's presence. He sees a future in which God is with us. He's seeing a future in which God is going to provide for us despite the giants, despite the obstacles, despite the unknown. One author, Rollo Mace, in his book called The Courage to Create, says this, We are called upon to do something new, to confront a no man's land, to push into a, fir- a forest where there are no well-worn paths from which no one has returned to guide us. This is what the existentialists call the anxiety of nothingness. To live into the future means to leap into the unknown. And this requires a degree of courage for which there is no immediate precedence and which few people realize. Listen, church, we are called be a people of courage. That is a theme in Joshua. Listen, I get it. I look at what's going on around us. We look at what's going on around us, even in our immediate families and our circles and our co-workers and our, and our city, and it's easy to become disheartened. And to hear a vision that, that God wants to do something great, that God has a future planned out. And for many of us, we think that feels highly unlikely. It feels like it's easier to create a massive list of what could go wrong. It seems easy to create a massive list of everything that's against us and interpret that as the absence of God. And I'm not saying there's not real obstacles, but don't let those obstacles steep your heart and mind in fear. Don't let those obstacles be the thing that you put your faith into. See, many of us spend more time believing what will go wrong than actually believing the possibility of God doing something amazing. 
than believing that God wants to bring his kingdom, to believe, than believing that God is bringing his kingdom. Yes, there are giants, but there is a land that's flowing with milk and honey. There's fruit that's taken a, a cadre of people to carry on a stick because it's so large and it's so massive. And I believe we have a massive opportunity in this season right now to, to, to experience the goodness of God. And this is why we read the scripture. This is why we rehearse the gospels to shape our imagination, to shape our hearts, to walk into a future that God has written for eternity. God can do anything with our openness and our willingness. But disbelief, distrust have no currency in his kingdom. They have no currency in God's economy. Unbelief, disbelief is actually death. And so what we might feel like is playing it safe to live by hunkering down. God is saying, You've actually, you're actually dying. Because to live is to follow me, is to go into the place in which I am calling you. And if we, as we read this story, we'll find out that like, a large portion of the people of God never enter into the land that God's called for them. The people of God wanted the promised land. They were made for it. But they were so worried about the risk. They traded in the promise for their present and they never got it. And if we want the kingdom to break in right now in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of racial injustice, in the midst of polarizing political times, then we're going to have to courageously step out. We have to courageously step out in, in light of knowing that God is with us, that he's able, that he's powerful, and that his kingdom's at hand. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that your kingdom is at hand, God. And right now, we just cast down fear. We take captive of every fear that tries to grip us and rip us from your hand, Lord. We resolve today to be a people of faith that trust you and to the ends of the earth, Lord. Fill the earth with your glory. Establish your kingdom right now within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.